Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. I'm Dan Staten. This is your blue collar, do-it-yourself, self-guided, public land, elk hunting learning curve resource where we leverage hunting to create more personal development. Our goal is to educate and encourage our listeners to become the best possible version of themselves through hard work, delayed gratification, and being accountable to themselves. Hey, welcome to another Elk Shape Podcast. What's up, y'all? Hope you're doing good. Let's get to it. So. Today we're sitting down with Ed Gramza. He works for Base Map. He used to work for Onyx Hunt. Now he works for Base Map. And now I'm running Base Map. And we're going to talk about e-scouting, utilizing Base Map. And this is uh, this podcast is all about what you should be doing right now if you're super serious about elk hunting. Kind of like me is geeking out and learning as much and controlling as much as you can, which is your effort, your energy. Your e-scouting, your due diligence, your visualization. I mean, if you can't be out hunting, then you can be hunting from a computer and using technology. That's kind of the name of the game right now is if you can't go to your work, then you work from home. If your kids can't go to school, then school's at home. If you can't go elk hunting, you're going to elk scout from home. So we're going to talk about base map and dive in a little bit. I knew about base map a couple years ago. thought it was like just this little brother company. Learned more, got super stoked, and then tried it out, and I'm super impressed. In fact, we have a YouTube video out right now going over base map and how to utilize it from an e-scouting perspective and comparing, contrasting with OnX uh, on our YouTube channel. That's at Elk Shape. Check it out. I think it's uh, super straightforward, and I think it's pretty helpful. Uh, when we're talking about base map, and we're going to interview Ed. Ed Gramza is a good dude. He's from Wisconsin. I got a lot of love for my Midwest people, especially those that come out West. Uh, mad respect. That's a long travel. And that doesn't mean you get to scout much in person. So you're going to have to rely on technology, which fortunately technology is at your fingertips today. With Basemap, they have 14 different layers. I'm going to name out some of them just off the top of my head. They have the Google imagery uh, that has labels, and then, then they have a high-res satellite imagery and then a high-res satellite topo hybrid, which is really good. Uh, then they have a basic topo outdoor, which is very detailed. And then you can use Google Terrain, which is huge for really the shading and understanding what it actually looks like and how to navigate. Uh, that's going to be critical. They have an ESRI world imagery and USGS topo. That is 
a game changer. USGS Topo shows you water sources, shades, lines. I mean, it really, truly shows you what it looks like. They have ESRI World Topo, Nat Geo World Map, Open Street, and then all those layers that you would find or that you would enjoy from other service providers. Same deal. Roads and trails, wilderness, burns, timber cuts, points of interest, etc. You need to dig in on base map. It's 30 bucks for a year and you get all 50 states. And that $70 difference could fill up your truck, maybe even twice nowadays. Could be $70 towards another elk tag. Uh, could be $70 towards a packer to help get your elk meat off the mountain or get dropped off or what have you. Uh, that's 70 bucks in ATV or dirt bike fuel. Uh, it adds up. And we talk about fiscal fitness and this, I mean, we're at a time, we're in an era where it's never been more important to be financially sound. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you are over leveraged. Maybe you owe a lot of people a lot of money because you did not delay that gratification and you don't like hearing me talk about this, but it's the real deal. My wife, she's been furloughed several times. She works at a hospital. Uh, I have had to move elk-shaped camps. This sucks, right? But you just pivot and you don't be over-leveraged. And so we're in a good spot. I mean, yeah, not as much revenue is coming in. And I don't think that's going to change. So you got you to be smart with your money. And so... I think it's a good idea to, to just, you know, reevaluate your situation and think about what's going to be best for you and yours for the future. Maybe you need to downsize. Maybe you need to sell that. Maybe you have a car payment or two. Maybe you need to sell them and get a clunker and fix it up and swallow your pride. Tighten up your game. And we've been through this before in, in 08, 09. Some of you younger guys are like, uh, what? But yeah, we hit a pretty rough spot there. And early on as well, you know, it's not always going to be smooth sailing. So I just want to encourage you all to, to communicate well with your spouse or your significant other and be on the same page and, and be real selective on where that money going out is and hunker down, tighten up your game. So let's talk about elk shape stuff going on. 20 for 20 is finally launched. Yes, 20 workouts under 20 minutes for 20 bucks. I know a lot of you can't go to gyms right now. So I put this at the forefront. I busted my ass. There's every workout is video supported. So you're going to buy this program for 20 bucks. You're going to love it. It's super basic. All you need is a dumbbell or a sandbag. And you're going to go to work. Do the 20 workouts. See the results. When you read the workout, you're going to be like, I don't understand it. Well, just click the private link and you can watch the video and see the workout performed. And this will be your gateway drug so you can maybe eventually do 90 days to freedom. Uh, and then when you're done with that, you could hit 21 days to elk shape right before the season, which integrates training and shooting uh, all into one package. And it's all about making yourself better than you were yesterday. So that's what we got going on there. Online elk shape camp is still available. You can't come to a live camp, then do our online camp. You get a year to digest way too many videos. And we do cover fitness nutrition, obviously, but majority of it is elk biology, elk knowledge, elk scouting, getting your uh, archery weapon doped. A lot of my technical archery stuff, I don't put on YouTube. I put it there. So how to do third, you know, set your third axis yourself, um, front of center, arrow selection, 
making sure it's right for elk. All that's on Elk Shape Camp online. So it's 99 bucks. You get a year. And we're always adding videos. My intern, What Up Jacob, is working hard feverishly on that right now to add more video content there. And then as far as live elk shape camps, here's the deal. We got Colorado in June. Uh, we got Wisconsin in July. And we just pushed back the last camp. It was supposed to be Mother's Day weekend in May. We moved that back to the end of July. It's to be determined, but we're basically penciling in the Northwest Mountain Challenge at Stevens Pass in Washington. Joel Turner and myself, Jeff Bynum, we're going to probably put that on there. And uh, we're still waiting for a blessing from Northwest Challenge to be able to do that. But uh, what a better place than on the mountain at a 3D course, going over your shot process, your shot execution, and then going over elk vocalizations. We'll go over gear as we use it right there out there. We'll probably camp out, not on the mountain, but we'll camp out and we'll go over gear and we'll hang out for a couple days. And I think it's going to be really unique. It's going to be cool to be able to do an elk shape camp in the mountains. So if you want to do that, uh, registration spots, obviously some of the guys that signed up aren't going to be able to do that. So we refunded them. And so new spots opened up. So go to elkshape.com. If you want to find our workout programs, our online elk shape camps or our live elk shape camps. And we have some good articles on there from scouting to bear hunting and things like that. Speaking of e-scouting, hopefully you found out if you drew New Mexico, if you drew Montana, uh, you can put in for Idaho's elk tags pretty soon. You can put in for Nevada right now. So there's a lot out there still to be, you know, to understand, but probably most of you are starting to figure out where you're going elk hunting. And you need to start doing your e-scouting, which is why we're doing the base map deal today. So jump on board. Get going with this podcast. It is brought to you by Vortex Optics. Thank you so much. Speaking of Wisconsin, these guys are out of Wisconsin. All their engineers and designers and marketing team is out of Wisconsin. These guys are veteran-owned. They have a discount code exclusive for Elk Shape podcast listeners. Save 20% off all Vortex apparel. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE. We have about six or seven discount codes. I'm not going to run through them. They're in the show notes, so click on the, the description and read those show notes. Save some money while you can. Let's dive into this podcast with Ed Gramza of Basemap. I hope you guys have the best week ever. Here we go. Guys, welcome to Elk Shape Podcast. Uh, hope you're having a great week. It is Friday. It's finally here, and uh, we're excited to do um, a little podcast with Ed. He is from Wisconsin. He is a father. He is a hunter. He's an outdoorsman. He does writing. He does. He's he's been in the industry a long time, and I've known him for a couple of years, but I don't know him that well. Looking forward to getting to know you better, Ed. How are you, buddy? Man, I'm doing great. Just trying to take it day by day with this crazy world we live in right now. Yeah, I know. Do you watch the news? I want to say as little as possible, but I need to see, you know, how they want to spin things every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the spinning. And uh, so this weekend, I uh, I was uh, at my uh, hunting cabin, and I have <laughs> we have Dish Network at our cabin, but we don't even have Dish Network at our house. That's funny. <laughs> but uh, so... I turned on like Fox News and CNN, and I was just going back and forth, seeing the different spins, and it's yep. it's it's laughable. News sucks. I I wish I hadn't yeah. turned it on. Yeah, the latest thing about 
you know, injecting like Lysol into you. Yeah. You know, how did they, how did they spin that one? I, I'll never understand that. Dude, that's what they got right now. And they're spinning it and spinning <laughs> uh-huh. it. So anyways, I hate politics. I'm not very diplomatic or into my, my least favorite class in college was political science. I'll tell you that much. So, uh, <laughs> For sure, but uh, so you're you're in Wisconsin. You were planning to come to Idaho to go bear hunting, and that got canceled. Yeah, I was supposed to be there in a couple of weeks, uh, middle of of May. Had this plan since January. Already had the plane ticket. Luckily, I was able to cancel that. You know, a month ago they had canceled or stopped sales of non-resident licenses. So I thought, okay, you know, but it was temporary. Temporary. Uh, but the final nail in the coffin was, was when they canceled the girls' school for the rest of the year. That was that was the uh, the thing that did it for me. That made me know that I was definitely not coming. Yep, yep. I they did that fast too. I mean, I remember kind of a a little bit of quarantine conversation, social distancing, all those buzzwords, and then like, bam, schools canceled rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what. Right now, I am. A little bit on edge about my trip to Wyoming in September. They obviously they haven't drawn elk tags yet for Wyoming, but um, you know I don't need to be as much as I would love to be out there for an extra fourteen days to self quarantine myself. I don't need that. They need to. Hopefully that's going to end so I can go to Wyoming as planned. Yeah, how oh, my crystal ball shows us hunting in the fall. I feel like uh, warmer temperatures. People are going to lose their minds if they don't start living a little bit of a normal life. And um, I've already lost mine. <laughs> have you? Oh, man. It's getting more and more difficult every day. So do definitely you, not getting easier. You don't leave your house probably much. You, you know, I do. So where I live in Wisconsin, uh, we've got, I don't know, maybe 40 cases in our county. And just about everybody's recovered. I think we've had two deaths. Most of the cases were in a nursing home about 25 minutes to the east of me. But pretty much everybody's recovered. I've got no problem running to the store, you know, but everybody's just going crazy. I mean, it, it's hard going from working at home, which I was already doing, to now having my wife and kids home with me. So I got to do my job. I have to basically herd cats and I have to be a first grade teacher and a 4K teacher all at the same time. Yeah, dude, it's so uphill. I am in the same boat. Work at home. All of a sudden, everybody's home and your routine gets squashed. Yeah, it's 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 different, but uh, I I think the thing I'm having a hard time understanding is you know the kids are in school for what seven plus hours a day, and my my six year or seven year old has like an hour of homework every day. What are they doing the other six hours of the school day? Arts and crafts, recess, music yeah. class, all that kind of like just different stuff. And well, she you know she has all that for her online learning. I mean, every day she's got to do art and she's got to do music and Spanish and math. And it's like I wish there was a little bit more homework so that I could get a little bit more work done. Yeah, to get it done in an hour. That's yeah. I don't know, man. Do you think some people will convert to homeschooling after this? Or do you think people are like, oh my gosh, pay the teachers double? <laughs> I, I am counting down the days until the fall you know, school season starts. I know. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm counting down the days until, you know, so this kind of screwed up our plans for the summer for the kids. Uh, but we're going to send them to a, a YMCA day camp every day for the summer so that they get out of my hair for, you know, for the week. Yeah. So I'm, count, I'm counting down the days till June 15th when that opens up. Okay, that's when it opens up for you guys. Yeah, we're 
We're slated to come to Wisconsin in July for Elk Shape Camp. We had to postpone that one, and we just moved our Colorado one. So I'm going to try to do a Colorado camp in June. Like, hopefully that goes down. Where are you uh, going to be at in Wisconsin? Uh, we're going to be on Lacrosse, Lacrosse oh, Archery. Nice. Okay. And uh, super stoked about that one because, uh, well, originally I, I had a whole week set aside. I was going to Vortex Optics HQ. And then I was going to go to Matthew's HQ and film some stuff for YouTube, hang out with the boys, and then jam over, do the camp. And Jason Phelps was coming with me. And yeah, we just had to flex and move dates around. And so we'll see. I've actually had to, to move three camps around. I'm moving my next camp, which was supposed to be in Vancouver, Washington. I'm actually going to change the entire venue. I'm trying to get it moved to uh, Stevens Pass, which is a ski resort. There's a 3D shoot that weekend, and I'm trying to, to see if I can move my camp and do it. I, I got to talk to the Tyler Crockett. He owns Northwest Mountain Challenge and see if I can get all my guys there. Me and Joel Turner can do our camp on the mountain, which actually would yeah. be so cool. Uh, but I, I originally set up elk-shaped camps to be done and ready to hit the summer hard with the family. And mm -hmm. now it's bleeding into our summer family plans. But you just got to you know, pivot. I don't know if you're paying attention to, you know, all the archery shoots, you know, Total Archery Challenge, Mountain Archery Fest, they're, they're canceling events and rescheduling events. It's a mess still. I mean, nobody knows what's going to happen. Oh, man. Well, let's talk about some good stuff. Uh, working from home. So what's that like? Tell me the positives and the negatives. Obviously, we, we talked a little bit about right now how you're pretty busy wearing three or four hats but <laughs> yeah but how do you, you know, do it you take you take all this crazy out of it and i love it i mean i've i got this job full-time with base map back in the middle of october and it for the first couple of weeks it was definitely an adjustment you know to uh being home all the time and not you know in an office talking to people but i, I love it i found that i actually am way busier now working from home than I was when I worked, you know, had my old job working in an office. Like I'll look at my watch. It's three o'clock. Where the heck did the day go? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you're productive. You can get your head down and, and get some stuff done. What do you do for base map? So when I was hired uh, in October, I was hired as the marketing manager. Um, and my title actually and position changed back in early March. I am now the director of business development which means I get to talk to guys like you and, you know, build and nurture these relationships. Okay. That's great. Uh, so how long has Basemap been running full steam? Uh, they've been around for a couple of years, but their coming out party was really the Salt Lake city show in 2019. Uh, you know, they had a booth at the, at the hunt expo and sold a bunch of memberships and really kind of hit the ground running at that point in time. Uh, they didn't have really have much of a sales team. They didn't have any marketing behind it yet. Um, you know, they really turned on the sales and marketing machine about July of last year. Uh, but, you know, they, they announced themselves to the world in, uh, I'd say, February of 19. Okay, great. Uh, we just published a video today on YouTube. You've actually seen the video. I sent it to you ahead of time. I wanted to get your, basically, your blessing. But I I have ran on X for several, several <clears throat> years. And I wanted to never touch base map before, put it on the desktop, and I just did a screen record of me doing some scouting. I believe in digital scouting big time. I love Google Earth, tilting and moving and spinning the earth and dropping mm -hmm. waypoints on Google Earth and taking those KLM files into Onyx. I've done that for years. 
I've messed with Gaia, I've messed with Top Rut, and uh, a lot of the stuff we do at Elk Shape Camps, we literally show people on a screen how to do this, and I would say ninety mm percent -hmm. had never known about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then on that video, I just kind of compare and contrast from an un I feel like an unbiased opinion. I'd never really used base maps before, and I think people I can't wait to read the comments because it's pretty interesting to see the differences and the similarities between the two and they're not your only competition there's several digital mapping stuff out there but yeah. we as hunters we we scout from a desktop and if you don't you should and then we run mm -hmm. our phones on offline mode 80 percent of the time and so we need yeah. something that's very reliable and that can show us you know it's a it's it's such an important tool so when you first came on to base map what did you see as far as subtle differences and major differences? I mean, obviously, you know, looking at, at the mobile product, just the the quality and crispness of the, the satellite imagery. Uh, so we've got, I think, 14 different base maps, okay, different satellite imagery, um, satellite with topography and just topography maps. Just the crispness of the satellite imagery is way more superior than you know, than any of our competitors out there. Um, and then you know, I've got an iPhone. So on iOS devices, we have 3D mapping, which nobody else has, which is which is pretty cool. That's That was kind of a game changer also. Doesn't do me a lot of good in Wisconsin, but, you know, I go out west every year, so it's kind of a game changer. Yeah, to be able to tilt the map, I definitely utilized that <laughs> quite a bit this last weekend bear hunting. Uh, and to just, like, be able to spin the map around in any direction you can tilt it and the, the imagery is so much, the quality is kind of ridiculous. I don't understand why. I, it doesn't make sense to me. Did you guys it, do it, something or pay somebody? It, it, it has to, <laughs> you know, like our competitor, you, you know, the maps are not ours. Okay. Those, those satellite overlays, they're not base map. Onyx doesn't own theirs. It, they get it from a service like Google. Okay. Um, you know, so our, the service we use is just, it just has higher, higher definition um, satellite imagery, which, you know, which in that video you referenced, I mean, obviously there's a pretty clear difference even on the desktop, you know, the way you're zooming in and zooming out, you know, side by side, it was definitely a pretty noticeable difference. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to showcase, honestly, was like, hey, this is, this is pretty important stuff for when you're scouting online and, and really trying to understand the country and what it looks like, because Google Earth will lie to you. Uh, especially if you don't exaggerate your tilts, it, right. it'll be like, oh, I can just hike right up here. I'll bebop over to this ridge. Oh, this looks good. And when you get there, you're like, holy <laughs> shit, what did I just sign up for? Yeah. I'm not a damn mountain goat. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, I really think that's important. Okay, so as far as price is like the number one thing, like you guys, 29 bucks for the year, all 50 yep. states. Yep. Is that sustainable? Because – uh. I know that Onyx is 99 for an elite membership. So we, you know, I, I won't lie, we've had some internal talks about uh, changing the price, not because it's getting any more expensive, but just kind of a psychological thing. You know, how could you be better but be cheaper? You know, we were, you know, we we're talking about changing it by just a couple bucks, just to be a couple dollars more than the one state option from Onyx. I don't know that we're going to do it, but yeah, 30 bucks a year for all 50 states versus. 30 bucks a year for one state from Onyx or a hundred bucks a year for all 50 with, with Onyx. So, you know, you, you know, I used to be with Onyx with you, you know, they kind of had to piecemeal stuff together. We did when they developed this, it was all 50 states at one time. 
you know, so they were able to, I don't know if I want to say buy in bulk, you know, the information, but they, they just put it all together at the same time. And obviously we want to be competitive and, you know, the, the drawback to 30 bucks sometimes is people think, well, okay, it's 30 bucks. What, what am I buying? What am I going to not get that on X has, which really isn't the case. We actually give you a lot more for the money. Um, you know, so the, the price kind of doesn't dictate the quality of the app. I think sometimes. Okay. Well, let's move into a little bit more like digital scouting from a desktop. So you said 14 different layers and I can agree. Like there's a couple layers on there that were like, wow, like this, especially from a desktop, like just the, like the 3d Google earth stuff. Uh, I'm not sure what you guys would call that map, but it's like, it's a Google 3d shaded topography. Right. Uh, do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, not the satellite, but it is the um, like a, a 3D relief map that has the, the shaded um, based on the contours. Yes, and then you guys yep. had the USGS topo layer, yep. which is, yep. I mean, I'm old school, man. I like my topo maps, and we're not talking a hybrid topo map here. We're talking like actual USGS that mm-hmm. you can, to me, those are huge because those really show the lay of the land, where the water is, the funnels, the benches, the things like that that even as whitetail hunters or elk hunters, this stuff's important. And then obviously your hybrid, I noticed when I zoomed in on the hybrid mode um, where you have your topo and your imagery overlay, when I zoom in, I can still see the elevation changes mm-hmm. each line, mm-hmm. whereas I haven't been able to do that before. So I always kind of had to guess. So you, your topo overlay is really good. That I don't know how you guys got all these layers on there, but when we look at from a digital scouting standpoint, I think that's going to be huge for people to be able to run as many layers as possible and understand what they're really looking at. As far as base maps concerned and the down and like the desktop, what do your users? Do you guys have data? Do you know how many people actually log in from a desktop? We do. Um, I don't. I actually don't dive into that, but we are able to look. I don't think it's as high as you might think. In my opinion, I wish more people would do it because there's definitely something to be said about scouting on a giant monitor versus your your little phone. You know, because you know, like you pointed out in your video, I mean, you're able to see everything. Tilt the map, change the change the the base map, mark your waypoints, mark trails, measure distances, and it all transfers over to your phone then, you know, your mobile device. So I mean, there, there's definitely something to be said about being able to scout on the computer long before you get to wherever you're hunting. And I, I think it's kind of an underutilized tool right it, now. I agree. Now, some of the different satellite ones, you guys have a high-res satellite imagery one, which is what I, I run quite a bit, and the normal Google imagery with labels, the yeah. high-res satellite topo. But again, the Google terrain one for, for scouting is legitimate. And then there's another yeah. one. I think it was uh, something world imagery, ESRI. Look at look. Yes. Yeah. That's just another provider, you know, of satellite imagery. Um, I mean, my, my personal favorites are, are, you know, the high res for sure. Um, and for me, you know, on my phone, I've got, like I said, I've got an iPhone. I generally run uh, the 3d earth map because I, I found that that one is the most up to date as far as looking at how old, you know, an, an area is that, you know, you, know, you reference you know, your own house and this this tree is gone and that's gone. I, I found that the our three D map is actually the most up to date. Yeah. But was, you don't get that on the desktop. Yeah. And that was obvious. So that's just like land like that's just image and topography. 
and there's several different, I mean, there's two or three different topography ones you can put on there, which is, which is huge. Now, when it comes to wildfires, you know, roadless areas, stuff like that, that's stuff that I've always filtered or put layers over when I'm scouting from a desktop. Mm -hmm. The wildfires seem to be outlined a little bit better than your competitor. And by a little, I mean a lot. Um, <laughs> that's And then the timber cuts is really important for logging country where I hunt to see mm -hmm. you know what's been currently cut, where the reprod might be, where they're going to reseed or plant. The animals, you know, their behavior is dictated by that stuff quite a bit because especially in timber country, you open up a hillside, there's going to be feed there uh, in the next year or two. And mm -hmm. it's going to draw animals almost like a wildfire. So I think that one gets overlooked quite a bit. Let's talk about roads and trails. You guys have nationwide trails. You have the actual, you know, USFS roads, mm -hmm. which is important. When I go to a new elk area, because a lot of guys, Ed, are drawing tags right now. Right. Um, I get messages a lot. People like, hey, I finally drew Montana or I drew New Mexico and I immediately get pissed off because I can't draw New Mexico. <laughs> oh, gosh. But uh, one thing that I, that I always recommend people do if they can scout a unit ahead of the time is to learn the road systems. Mm -hmm. Actually drive them. Drive your roads. See where are most people going to camp. What trailheads are the most obvious where do these roads go? So, you know, you get an animal down, you want to be able to figure out how to get the truck as close as possible, things like that. All that's right. really good. What things have you done from a desktop for your best scouting practices when it comes to specifically elk? What are you looking at? What are you looking for? Give us some some cheat codes to e-scouting. Man, I, like you, I think I'm trying to find the easiest way into somewhere, but also places that I don't think people are going to go. I mean, you and I both know people are lazy and you get a lot of the road hunters that are just not going to get off the beaten path. Well, where, where can I go to get away from people where I think the animals are? Um, you know, and having those trails, having those roads is going to kind of help you. I mean, obviously you want to get somewhere. What's the easiest way to get there? Well, following some sort of trail, ideally. But, you know, how far back do you have to go to get away from everybody? You know, so I definitely look for those areas that that I think that people just are not going to be. You know, the animals are going to get a little bit less pressure, and you hope that, you know, the time that you spend to get back in there, you hope that they're in there. Now, I noticed on the hunt layers, obviously you have every state, and when you open up a state, you can do things. But what's this Eastman's hunting research layer? Yeah, so, I mean, everybody, most people are familiar with the Eastman's MRS data. You know, where they, they look at draw odds, they look at trophy quality, they look at land access, they look at amount of public land, and they have like the blue chip, you know, hunt units, green chip, and then just like average. So you can you can subscribe to Eastman's and get a book that has all that, or it's in the Eastman's magazine, you know, as they release it. Well, we have the Eastman's layer or data in our app. It's 10 bucks a year for that, and it's got all the Western states and it'll break it down by animals show you basically what are the best units to hunt and how hard it is to draw a tag um you know how what the percentage of public land is the land access so it's kind of a at least for like a guy like me from the east or midwest you know looking to burn some points how long is it going to take me to draw a tag it, it helps do that homework for you before you actually put the application in yeah i think you could have this pulled up for each state, you guys have like little overlays for each mm -hmm. species, units, controlled units, or draw units, things like that. And 
right. just another tool you can pair that with like a, a gohunt.com or hunt and fool and Correct. really try to to dig in on especially right now man y'all ain't got nothing but time might as well <laughs> be doing your scout and i think e-scouting is definitely something that people can control right uh, and you have unlimited reps just like visualization as corny as it sounds but you can literally you have unlimited amount of reps when you're looking at your hunt where that elk's going to stand when you're going to pull your bow back how you're going to pick a spot execute a shot from a competitor standpoint i believe in unlimited mental reps and visualization so okay so let's migrate over to the mobile side man so yeah i'm an iphone guy so i don't know much about androids and uh I won't phone shame anybody today, but <laughs> I, I'll have to zip my lip because I'll try not to. Also, <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> do you, you guys work just the same on an Android as you do an iPhone? Essentially, yes. Um, you know, I mentioned the 3D mapping. 3D is only available on iOS. Um, there is a way to do it in Android. You actually have to like save a waypoint, and there's like a little button or little three dots up at the top right corner. If you click on it or hit that, it'll open up a menu. And you can hit go to Google Earth, and it'll take that waypoint then and open up Google Earth so you can see 3D that way. So 3D is not integrated into Android, but there is a way to access it through Google Earth. Copy that. That's the biggest difference between the two platforms. Okay. People with mobile phones, I believe they should understand, but maybe they don't. You need to buy a phone with the most amount of gigs in that phone. Because we don't delete videos, we don't delete pictures, we don't delete apps, and we certainly don't delete data from Basemap to save memory. Especially when you're like me, you hunt several states. I I download so many offline Mm -hmm. maps that it's – and these are gigs at a time. Right. So, I mean, that's a great point. So one question we get asked a lot, you know. Obviously, a difference physically between an iPhone and, and most Androids is that Android has expandable memory. Okay, you can put a, a micro SD card in there and expand your memory. Well, you cannot put your data from Basemap on that memory card. So it, it is limited to the internal memory. So to your point, yeah, buy, buy, buy a big phone and buy one with a lot of memory. Definitely. Okay, yeah, and that's good to know because I – I didn't know that Androids you could slap an SD in. Mm-hmm. I think most most Androids have expandable memory. Where you know iPhone, that's one thing that they the Android people knock us iPhone people about. Oh, you can't expand your memory. I've never run out. I don't need to expand it. Okay, copy that. Uh, so then you got your offline maps. Now it seems to me that you have to download as many maps as you want to utilize. So for example, if I want to run Google Image 3D, I download that. If I want just a topo, I got to download that. And right. while using in offline mode, I have to switch back and forth. I have to literally go in and pick the map that I want. It's not all in one spot. Like you can only run one at a time. Is that correct? Well, so our offline maps are a little bit different. So we, you know, we take the 14 different base maps and now you get – the choice of two, okay? You have high-res satellite or high-res topography. And you actually select that when you do the off, you know, when you do it or do the download, okay? Whatever you download is what you've got. And any active layers, if you have Washington State opened with a bunch of different, you know, public land, private land, hunt units, any active layer you have at the time you download is what gets incorporated into that, that cache, 
Okay, so the more active layers, the larger the download. Um, but yeah, to, you can download as many maps as will fit on your phone, and they're all active at you know one time. So if you download an area and you jump to the next area, you don't have to go on your phone and turn a layer, you know, a, an area off and turn an area on. It all works at the same time. But yeah, you do have to decide if you want satellite or or um, topography when you do that download. Yeah, and, and the topography is so important for me while hunting because I need to see how the animals actually want to travel, where right. the animals actually want to bed down, where's a shelf, where's a bench. where. So, I mean, I love to be able to see visually what it looks like from aerial, but at mm -hmm. the end of the day, if I had to choose, I'm going to pick topography nine times out of ten just because of how I utilize it for hunting. Uh, things I noticed is that you can run tracking. Um, mm -hmm. just like you could with others. And mm -hmm. that's important for me because I save my tracking a lot of times when I'm elk hunting because mm -hmm. I'm on elk trails and yep. you do that in the same area a couple of years, all of a sudden you have little maps of the elk trails and the right. elk know how to move and navigate the most efficiently. And when mm -hmm. you're on elk trails, you might actually see elk. So that's been huge for me. Can you change the color of your tracking at this point right now today no it's something that we are definitely looking into we you know we've heard from a lot of customers that that want that and it is something that we are looking into in a future update uh, hopefully before fall okay and i noticed that i can tilt and spin and move my topography which has mm -hmm. been huge you can really like look at different angles and which ways to go when i completely switched to base map i exported uh all my klm files and mm -hmm. what, what are the other ones called? I think it starts with uh, GPX. Yeah, GPS. GPX. Mm -hmm. That took about 10 seconds. And yep. then I imported them. And that took about 10 seconds. And you import both. And boom, there's all your stuff. And I mean, this stuff's valuable, right? Like, I could probably sell some some waypoints on eBay, right? You know, like there's some, there's some good information. 20 years of elk hunting. There's mm -hmm. some things on here that, and they're all there, which is really yep. cool. As far as waypoint icons, you have the option to make an icon damn near anything you want, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, and we've got more coming. Again, that's another thing that we've been asked for, some additional icons. We're working on that. Uh, we're looking at the possibility of being able to change colors of icons too. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've got a ton of different icons based on what you're doing. And, and a lot of them right now, so I'm a whitetail guy. A lot of the icons are definitely focused in the West. I mean, we're our founders based in in Idaho, so he's he's got elk hunting on the brain. Uh, but yeah, there's a there's a ton of different icons to use based on what you're looking for or looking at. Yeah, and then the icons you have hunting icons, ground blind, blood, food plot, glassing point, <laughs> ladder stand, all mm -hmm. the different type of animals, hiking ones, <clears throat> shelter ones, transportation. I'd have to get on there to tell you them all. Fit and fishing. And then you have color yeah. options. You do have orange, blue, yeah. green, red, yellow, and a couple other ones. So you can change colors. Now, when you're on your map scale-wise to tell how far something is, do you have the ability to do that when you're offline? To draw a line? Not necessarily a draw a line, but to be able to have a scale to see how far something is just by that the is a That is a good question. I honestly don't know the answer to that. Okay. Because that's going to be something that a lot of guys will want to use because you can see how far one mile is. And then you look at your map and you'd be like, okay, you can kind of 
besides drawing a line, you could get it for sure. But just right. to see from like a quick scan, all right, I, that bear is a half mile away because my right. scale. So that's one question I had. Uh, sharing waypoints. Are you able to share waypoints? Yes. Um, so you can share waypoints. Obviously, you have to have cell service. And I'm actually going to take this to the next step here in a second. Um, you can share waypoints. You need to have cell service. So two ways to share it, either via text message or email. You basically go in, click on the waypoint, and share. And you decide if you want to send it via email or uh, via text. Okay. And then you get it. Whoever, whoever is the recipient gets an email or a text with a link. If they have base map, you click the link, it'll open it up, and it will drop that waypoint on their on their account on their map. Okay, cool. Yeah, you just I just did it now. I went on to one of my waypoints, clicked on it, and then in the upper right hand corner is three dots. You tap that, and it's got a share option, a go to option, and a Google Earth option. Yep. So when I said I'll take it kind of to the next level, we have something that nobody else has, and that is live location sharing. Um, again, you have to have cell service, but if you have service and you have people that are following you, you can turn on live location sharing and select who you want to see your location. So every time you're out in the field and open up the app, it's going to show exactly where you are. So if you share your location with me and I open up my app right now, I'm going to see exactly where you're sitting right now. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So, so it, it's kind of nice, you know, if you got guys that are supposed to come and help you pack out an animal. You know, they can see where you're at. You can kind of check them to make sure they're coming the right way or coming at all and not sitting at the tavern or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, it, it does require um, cell service, though. It will not work with just GPS if you're offline. Okay. I did not know. That's really interesting. There's some places that I've killed some elk where there is cell phone service. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm by myself, and that would be really fun to be able to just show them, hey, check my progress. You can tell just where the elk died. Uh, right. If I'm headed down the mountain, you can tell I'm packing and uh, just find me when you get up here. So that's cool. <laughs> and I've hunted a lot of places where you get pretty good cell phone service while hunting. I will caution people, though, and this is back from when I used OnX even, is don't be the guy who didn't download his maps, all the maps you needed, and you're in the field and you're like, oh, I got, cell phone. I got three bars. I'm going to download some maps while I'm getting service. You will be there forever. Yes. Even if I know that I'm going somewhere that has cell service, I still download the map. I mean, spend the time one night at home, a couple nights, just download the areas and download more areas. If you know you're going to one specific spot, download everything around it just in case. Yeah, that's, yeah. Why, that's why I believe you should have multiple like hunt plans so you know all your areas and that you can mm -hmm. basically figure out, okay, this is – plan a through z for lack of a better term and then you have all those pre-downloaded right. and in my instance i'm downloading two maps i'm i'm always downloading the biggest file i can mm -hmm. so i want as much detail as possible so when you do your downloads with you guys you have an option to pick how, how much resolution you want correct and i yeah, choose so the, the max yep yeah i i you know there's scales at the bottom so i zoom in as far as i can and then when the resolution is its highest, that's when I'll download it. You know, I don't need to go it anymore because the resolution isn't going to get any better. But yeah, as you zoom out and get a larger area, obviously your resolution goes down. So I mean, there, there's a sliding scale so you can see exactly what you're going to get. Yeah, and that's important, man, because in this day and age, I just would hate to be handcuffed in the mountains and not have 
all those options. So there's some some areas where like I literally will download entire unit, entire right. unit on my phone, and that's where it kind of comes back to that conversation of don't skimp on gigs of memory on your phone. You know, and there's another benefit too to downloading the maps. I mean, if you go out to an area that you know has cell service, you can still have those maps and go offline. You're gonna cut the cell signal to the app, and you're you're not gonna drain your battery as fast. Yeah, that's huge, and. When I got rid of my GPS a couple years ago, I've never had a battery issue. I run pretty much offline mode most times. I yep. carry a Poseidon like from Dark Energy charger. Yep. Mm -hmm. I can get two, three charges on that. And um, and I use my phone to film a lot of the stuff and take photos while I'm hunting too. iPhones are, or cell phones these days are really amazing, which is really cool. As far as the app goes, so you can share, you can download you can do several different maps as far as from a desktop and an iPhone. But when it comes to actual like, okay, I want to draw some stuff on my phone. I want to be able to do some line distance. I want to, mm -hmm. you can do that from a phone. You can shade areas. You can yep. literally plan your route and see how far it is. Um, and then I like tracking, like I said before, because you can see how far you've gone, where you're going, where you've been. And uh, that stuff really starts to paint a picture of your area. What other offline stuff am I missing? For offline, nothing really. I, I mean, you know, anything, what I will say is if you're offline and you're saving those waypoints or drawing those lines, as soon as you get back to town and turn the cell service back on, everything you saved actually goes into the cloud and it's there. You don't lose any of it. But, I mean, the offline is... It's pretty robust. You don't get the 3D. You don't get some of this stuff. Um, but as long as you know what layers you have active when you do that download, that's all going to be there for you when you're out in the field. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty important. Um, so did you put in for New Mexico elk? I did not. Uh, this year for me was Wyoming. I mean, being in, in the Midwest, you know, I, I'm a whitetail guy through and through. I've had this Wyoming hunt planned for a couple of years, so... New Mexico is is coming pretty soon when I'll start applying for that. Okay, so did you burn points in Wyoming this year? I did. I did. Okay. And did you put in with anybody else or are you going solo? Going solo. Okay. How many points did you burn? I'm not going to ask your area, but how many points did you burn? Uh, unfortunately, I burned five. I didn't need five where I'm going. But part of it too, you know, Wyoming a couple months ago was talking about changing the rules for non-residents raising the price of the tags and limiting the number of tags. So part of me just said, screw it. I need to be, I need to be done with Wyoming, you know, and being from where I'm at, I've hunted out West since I was 14. Wyoming is the state I've gone to more than any other Western state to hunt. And it kind of stinks when they, you know, when they want to screw the, screw the non-residents when we help pay, pay a lot of their taxes and stuff. So it's one of those things, like I said, it was just, I got to be done with Wyoming and, and move on to another state now. I, I, got, I got a lot of points in other states I need to start looking to burn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when Wyoming came out with that narrative, it was just dialogue. But, man, it got shut down fast. But what they were proposing was essentially uh, a middle finger to non-residents. Yep. And I mean, like, a slap in the face. It was like, literally, we're going to give keep our tags to ourselves. And, yep. um, you know, I still like to see Wyoming – make some changes with the non-resident wilderness stuff. Um, yes, for sure. If I was, if I was a trust fund baby, I might get a family lawyer and literally take them to court. I feel like that's a violation to be able to tell somebody that they can't hunt in a wilderness unless they're with an outfitter or 
with a resident guide. I want to talk about that for a second. Resident guide means that you're with somebody from Wyoming, but it doesn't mean you just hook up and you guys are like sharing camp. Like they actually have to go down to the fishing game office yep, and register right. to be your quote guide. And yep. then there's like, I can't remember if there's some gray area, but it's pretty much they got to be by you the entire time you're hunting. But Ed, if you want to go fish, if you want to go camp in the wilderness, you're Have good to go. It. Yep. Yeah, and, and where I'm going, you know, I will be in the wilderness. So I am going with a buddy of mine who is a guide out there. Um, I've hunted with him in the past. I don't know if you've ever been out there, but I mean, there's a, it's just fence stakes right across the mountain. And you go on the other side, it's wilderness. The other side looks the exact same, and it's not wilderness. I, I don't get it either. Because, um, yeah, I could, I could hike up there and go do whatever I want fishing hiking whatever i want but as soon as it hunting season you can't go back there yeah i was in wyoming last year and i had a, a resident guide uh and where we were at we didn't have cell phone service and i i could not get a hold of him i had a, a, an in reach but he didn't show up and then mm -hmm. the next day he didn't show up and i was like hmm maybe something happened thinking the worst and then opening day came he wasn't there so I had scouted the wilderness and before the season opened and there was significant elk densities in the wilderness that there wasn't in the non-wilderness. Well, long story short is he showed up a couple days later and I already killed, I killed my bull and I <laughs> killed him in the, the non-wilderness and I would have, the elk were not nearly as vocal. This was just what happened for me. Doesn't mean this is always the case. But I would have liked to have been in the, the wilderness because those elk were screaming oh, yeah. into August. And then over in the non-wilderness, it was like doing what I would say like just small little setups where it's almost like still hunting. You're, you're doing these cold calling sessions and, Ed, that's not why I elk hunt. I didn't sign up for that. I like <laughs> to hear some, some bugling, some interaction oh, yeah. and pick a fight, that oh, kind yeah. of stuff. But anyways, got it done. And then he finally showed up. And, uh, basically he had some car troubles and, you know, that's why y'all got to have an inReach too. Do you have an inReach or what do you use to communicate? I've actually got a, um, a spot, a spot X that I use, yep. um, you know, kind of the competitor to, to inReach. Definitely. It's a must. You're probably going to draw Wyoming. Um, those results come out what end of May? End of May. Um, I think May 20th, May 21st. And I'll say not if, but when I when I draw that tag, then I'm going to put in for deer also. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I miss the days where Wyoming was the first state to put first, in for, yeah. the first state to know if you drew or not. You could literally get your season plan, rolling. Plan, right, you could plan everything around Wyoming. Yep. You know, now it's one of the last ones to draw. And, you know, back we were just talking about what they wanted to do to non-residents. I didn't think it was going to pass, but just the fact that they were even talking about it and thinking about it, you know, really upset a lot of people. Yeah, it's insulting, especially when they already have a you know a special versus regular system. For those listening that didn't know, it's like seven hundred bucks for a regular tag. But yeah. if you want to up your odds, and that's not always the case, but if you want, you can spend an extra five hundred dollars mm -hmm. and get the same tag and be in a different pool. That's man, that's price gouging straight up. Right, plus the fifty bucks a year for points. Yep. And now they're going to hold on to your money for five-month note, make some serious interest off everybody's yep. dollars. Yeah. 
I'm wondering if some people have rescinded their app once this all struck and maybe people lost their jobs and stuff. I'm I bet, curious. So, you know, so for some people, this, you know, the fact that it's not till May now is almost a blessing in disguise because you're right. You know, how many people now can go in? Because I could go in right now and get my money back minus a $15 application fee or something like that. Uh, but I bet you a lot of people did go in and get their 700 bucks back or $1,200 back because they can't afford to go on that hunt now. It's actually like thirteen hundred. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. That special that special tag is it's expensive. It is. You know, I've paid twelve hundred dollars for an elk tag before, and that was Nevada when I drew. Finally, took me ten years to get that tag, and I was like, "Wow!" I guess I'd never really thought I was going to draw because I never paid attention to how much a tag was until they. Oh, what's this twelve hundred dollar charge from to Nevada? Oh, I'm going elk hunting. <laughs> that was awesome, but good lord, that's I mean. You know, so it seems like hunting is getting more and more expensive and that's tough, man. Like, I think that's going to limit some people. This podcast pretty blue collar, to be honest, like our listeners are, you know, hunting one, maybe two states. A lot right. of it's over the counter. Uh, it's not really a landowner tag conversation for most of us because most people are family men and family right. is definitely comes first. So you said you've been, you're married, you have kids. How long have you been married? Oh boy, is this a trick question? No, um, sir. <laughs> in, in October, it'll be 15 years. Okay, so in 15 years, I imagine you were a hunter before you met your wife. Yep. Mm -hmm. So she knew to some degree what she was signing up for. Did you work in the hunting industry 15 years ago? No, I did not. What were you doing? So 15 years ago, what was I doing 15 years ago? I was selling insurance. Oh man, I bet you missed that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny you know i went from selling insurance um got out of that went and worked at a bass pro shop um in illinois um for three years uh left that we moved back to wisconsin uh where i was the hunting manager at a cabela's um left that actually went back to the insurance thing um and when i went back to insurance and out of cabela's that's kind of when i got into the industry because i thought well I really want to be in it somehow, some way, started doing some writing and, and things like that. So, I mean, my first paying, I guess, paying gig in the industry was actually working for our competitor years ago, um, you know, as you know. Uh, but yeah, now, I mean, now I work in it full time. I mean, this is my full time job. That's great, man. Yeah. It's cool to, to chase your passion and to, you know, obviously every job, regardless if you're selling insurance or if you're in the hunting industry, it has its perks. Mm -hmm. It has its positives and there's always some negatives too. It's not always just, you know, it's not always just a dream job where you wake up every day, but you're doing some cool stuff with Basemap, man. And, and I think this company is definitely, the reason why I aligned with Basemap was just straight up. I like, I saw the direction you're going. We preach fiscal fitness on this podcast and mm -hmm. for $70 difference, that's a full tank of gas. That's another scouting trip or that's oh, another... I don't know what gas is by you, but that's like two tanks of gas now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially if you fuel up in Idaho, man. Prices are good over there. So I saw the direction you guys are going. I know the founders from Sandpoint, Idaho, mm -hmm. and that really excited me. And so, you know, I'm not one to just jump ships or whatever. But when I found that, you know, as good, if not better, with more layers and robust offline use, and then obviously, you know, fairly young and scrappy dude those are the things that i look for so i'm excited for the future um when you when you when you married your wife 
did you hunt more or less than you do today? Less. Yeah, I definitely hunt more now. Give us some unsolicited marital advice on how to keep a happy home and still be able to hunt. <laughs> oh, so I, I'll give you a quick a quick story here. And then, uh, so my first ever elk hunt. So when my wife told me that she was pregnant with our first child, so this would have been eight years ago now. I was I was planning. I already had to tag to go to Wyoming with my dad. Literally, the first words out of my mouth when she told me is, "Do I still get to go elk hunting this year?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, so both of my girls, uh, my youngest is born in January, my oldest is born in February. So, marital advice: plan that calendar so that you don't have the kids in fall. Hundred <laughs> percent, and it's just some simple arithmetic, friends. Exactly. Just <laughs> circle nine months on a calendar. Just don't have don't have kids in the fall, and you're good. Yeah, no, no doubt. It, it's. I don't know. I mean, my, my wife used to be into doing Ironman triathlete or triathlons and stuff. Um, so it was kind of a give and take thing. Hey, if you let me go hunting, I don't care how much training you want to do and stuff like that. But uh, with with having young, beautiful daughters, how much of a softy have you become? Because <laughs> I've experienced it where Dan used to go hunting as much as he wanted and had, you know, I'll see you in October, Mrs. Staten. Now it's like, Yes, I miss my wife, but I also miss those two little kids that drive me yep. nuts, man. How how much softer have you become? Soft. I mean, I, I miss them. You know, I go out to Wyoming or wherever, Montana, don't have cell service. I try to find time to get a hold of them. That's why I have like that spot GPS, you know, messenger thing so I can communicate with home. It, it doesn't get any easier. I mean, the kids are getting older, so it's a little bit easier being away. Uh, but it's, it's still not easy. I would love to be hunting a lot more than I do now, but um, family definitely comes first. I, I can't be gone as much as I'd like to. Yeah. What do you guys do in the summer months leading up to the fall family-wise to kind of pad or cushion your, your, your family love deposits, if you will? Take the girls fishing, go on vacations, go hiking, just, I mean... Heck, they've been home with me now for a month and a half every day. So I think I'm I think I'm putting a lot in the bank right now. Just spending as much time with them as I can. You know, knowing that, you know, come sometime in September, Danny's going to be gone for two weeks. Um, and then, you know, in Wisconsin here, I, around Halloween, I'm, I'm here for trick-or-treating, but around Halloween, they know I'm going to be gone for five, six days chasing whitetail. You know, like I said, I'd like to be gone more, but I, I just can't. I, I mean – consciously i just can't i just can't do it yeah and i hate to use that analogy of like basically making deposits and withdrawals but at the end of the day i can't think of a better analogy for hunting because you are withdrawing away from the family you are putting a lot on your wife's shoulders if you're married and you know it's not always easy on the kids too and you're missing things but you wouldn't be the ed that you would want to be if you don't go hunting Right. I, I mean, for me, I got to put more in my wife's bank than my kid's bank. Yep. Because my wife's birthday is September 12th. And oh. guess, where, guess where I am? Not home. Yep. <laughs> so I, I definitely have to deposit a lot more in her bank than, than my kids. No, that totally makes sense, dude. Um, with the kids, though, you know, they're, they're getting close there, Ed, seven and four. When can they take hunter safety and all that kind of stuff? Um, so, I mean, technically my seven-year-old could hunt now in Wisconsin, like turkey hunt, you know, on like an apprentice type thing. We've talked about it. I think she's going to go. I think we might wait till she's 10. I mean, she's, 
she's pretty little. I mean, she's seven, but she's, gosh, she's like 40 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think she could handle shooting a shotgun right now. So I think, I think 10, you know, I'll get her out in a turkey blind and, and hopefully she'll smoke a, smoke a turkey. My youngest, she's raring to go right now. She wants to go right now. Oh, that's awesome. So, I, I'm not a huge turkey guy. I've definitely hunted turkey a lot. Um, I make fun of turkey people when they say it's just like elk hunting. I think I'm pretty well known for that is <laughs> I got a pretty good argument against that, but, um, dude, I love, I love turkey hunting. And, uh, last year I took my wife on a date opening day and she, she shot a, a turkey and within an hour or two, it was awesome. It's nice. fun. And nice. dude, we love turkey. We love wild turkey meat. We oh, finally delicious. figured out how to cook it right. But, uh, this year they closed it. So we don't even have turkey season right now, which yep. is the ultimate social distancing is fishing and hunting and both exactly. those are closed in Washington. Is there some sort of conspiracy going on with our governor? Is he does he have an agenda or is that just what he, is that? He's got a, he's got a, he's got his head somewhere. And it's not it's not where it should be. I, I don't I don't get that. I mean I, I totally agree. I mean Michigan, you know, state to our left here, they closed down motorboat fishing. You can go out on a lake on a kayak, but you can't be in a motorboat. Hmm. What the hell's the difference? Yeah. There was talk kind of about doing that in Wisconsin. Man, they would have, people in Wisconsin would have revolted. There's no way that they would have allowed that. There is a reason why we do Elk Shape Camp in Wisconsin. It's because I don't think I've ever seen any other state with that many license plates while elk hunting. Wisconsin people are hardcore hunters. And so are they, and and they are legit. And so that's why I was like, we got to go to Wisco. Whitetail hunting in Wisconsin, man, you guys are surrounded by, it's an interesting state from my lens. It's like, okay, you're kind of by Minnesota. You guys have wolves, like quite a few up north. All of a sudden you look south and like, dude, there's Iowa, you know, whitetail hunting is got, you guys have a crazy rifle season too, which oh, is like oh, weird to me. I, I'll give you, I'll give you a little stat. So on our opening day of rifle season, which is always the Saturday before Thanksgiving, there are over six hundred thousand people in the woods with a rifle at one time. Six hundred thousand. That's insane. It's and no, and nobody gets shot. Right. People die. People die, but they're usually dying of a heart attack, dragging out a deer, or climbing their tree. Nobody, nobody gets shot. Yeah. It's, it's, well, it's, it's interesting and it's, but you guys have still have some pretty good deer in there, man, for you bow hunters. So your guys' oh, bow season yeah. opens into October or early October? Uh, no, our, our bow season opens the second Saturday of September. Oh, okay. And then that runs up until the rifle? Uh, it goes up until rifle. I mean, technically you could still bow hunt during rifle season. You just need to wear orange. But there's parts of the state where, where our bow season goes into the end of January. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's got a lot of deer. We have a crazy, we have a crazy long season. I mean, there are a lot of deer. You know, there's certain parts. I mean, the entire state produces big deer. I mean, everybody talks about Iowa, but Wisconsin produces some big-ass deer. And there are certain parts of the state that produce bigger deer. I won't tell you where they are. You guys can do homework. <laughs> but there are, there are parts of the state that have monster deer. I, I am fortunate to be able to hunt in, in that area. That's good. Do you ever get Iowa tags? I've never applied for Iowa. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I literally hunt right across the river from Iowa in Wisconsin. I don't I don't need to go to Iowa. Okay. Roger that. Do you guys think your deer would hunting could improve if you're 
modern firearm season was pushed back a little bit. Um, are your deer still rutting really hard? Like if you were to have that season in like Washington or Idaho, that would be in the heart of the rut. Whereas, you know, every year on my Instagram feed, and I'm a whitetail guy too, I see these giant bucks just getting crushed first week of November, even yep. Halloween. You guys' ruts earlier, bottom line. Is there room for moving that season around? Is that thing going to stay right there? So, it, you know, it's funny that you asked that because there's been a lot of debate and a lot of talk in Wisconsin. So last year, our rifle season was horrible. There were like 30% less deer killed last year than any other year um, because because it's always the Saturday before Thanksgiving. You know, it rotates. Last year was the latest that the rifle hunt could possibly take place just because of where Thanksgiving fell. And the rut was over. Deer were definitely hunkered down and beat up from the rut and just tired. So deer were not moving like they normally were. This year, being that Thanksgiving is early, we're going to be right at the tail end of the rut. They're going to still be moving and act normal. So, I mean, there'll be a lot of deer killed for rifle season. Um, there's been talk about you know, extending it. But I mean, I think forever and a day, it's always been a nine day season starting the, the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Okay. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, last, last year was horrible just because it was so late. I mean, I hunted for, I hunted for a couple days. I mean, I usually hunt the opening weekend and then have to, you know, go back to work or travel for Thanksgiving. I saw zero deer in the three days I hunted, not a single deer. Yeah. Blank sits suck. Michigan is not too far away as well. I mean, you guys are surrounded with some pretty good densities of, you know, of whitetail. But to yeah. me, like, I don't hear about a lot of people traveling to Minnesota or Michigan for their whitetail. I could be wrong. I do hear about Wisco. I hear about Iowa. I hear about Ohio and maybe even Illinois a little bit. But what's, why is there such a difference or despair, you know, disparity between those three states? I'm not sure. I mean, I used to travel to lower Michigan and hunt with a buddy. Uh, we didn't see big deer. We saw a lot of deer. Um, you know, people think the UP there, you know, there's wolves up there. There's wolves in Northern Wisconsin. So the deer herd isn't as robust as, um, other parts of the state. Um, Wisconsin is over the counter. I mean, you could come here every year and it's like 200 and it's less than $250 for a tag and it's over the counter. There's no applying for a tag. Um, you have to apply for a tag. You do have to apply for a tag in Iowa. You have to apply in Illinois. Um, I'm not sure about Ohio. I don't know if Ohio is, I think Ohio is over the counter. Um, but I mean, you can go hunt anywhere in Wisconsin. I mean, we don't have the vast tracts of public land like you have out West, you know, but there's public land. Most of it's up North where there's not a lot of deer right now because of wolves. Um, but it is, it's easy to get a tag here. So do you guys have management in place yet for your wolves or is it still... Can't we we had it. We had it. Uh, we had, I want to say we had two years of a hunting season and they capped it. So there's, they would give out say 2000 licenses and they capped it at 10%. Once they hit, you know, 200 wolves in, in that equation, they shut it down. Um, that lasted two years and then the feds stepped back in and shut it down. Did you guys hit your quota every year? earlier than they anticipated yeah so what does that tell you guys come on figure it out um okay that's interesting um have you seen wolves before in wisconsin you know i i saw them when i was a kid you know in central wisconsin but where i hunt in wisconsin there's not supposed to be any wolves i can't 
tell you if they if they're there or not. I, I really don't know. Uh, but I mean, they're they're primarily concentrated up north. Unfortunately, they're concentrated up north where all our elk are as well. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. Okay, well, just thinking um, from your hunt portfolio perspective, deer season for you guys probably is a little bit more three sixty five ish. You know, yeah. whether it be shed hunting, cameras, reconnaissance, keeping tabs, hanging food sets, plot, food plots, cutting trails. Yeah, I mean it's. Where I hunt is about four hours, three and a half hours from where I live, so I can't go out and just do it whenever I want. You know, fortunately, I hunt on some private land that my aunt and uncle own and live on, so they do a lot of it for me. But I, you know, I do spend time out there hanging cameras and doing food plots and stuff. But yeah, I mean, for a lot of guys that are super fanatical and live close to where they hunt, it's it's almost it is almost a three sixty five chore. Oh yeah, and I got respect for that because I think that's really exciting to be working towards something and having delayed gratification. And a lot of times, the harder you work, the better your luck. And there's no coincidence there. Our deer seasons out west, especially like Idaho, Washington, you know, our deer seasons are pretty much done by the time Christmas rolls around. And you guys can hunt into January. And I've always thought that big, the bigger the buck, the earlier they drop. When do your guys's deer drop? It really depends on how rough the winter is. Um, we've, you know, January, I mean, we, some of them drop in end of December, you know, which, which kind of sucks about the later season archery hunts because some of them are, they have some weekends or weeks that are dull only. Well, you really got to pay attention because, you know, you may have a buck that dropped and you got to pay attention to make sure that it is actually a doe and not, not a buck that dropped its antlers. Mm. Yeah, and I would hate to shoot a good buck and then like, uh, he's missing an antler. It fell somewhere <laughs> yeah. on the blood trail. Uh, yeah. Just duct no, so that, that's kind of That's kind of the downfall to extending the season that late. But I, again, I think it really comes down to, to how much snow we have earlier, how cold it is, and, and really, uh, you know, if the deer are having a hard time. One of my good friends, Mark Boardman, lives in uh, Wisconsin, and he... It seems like your guys' winters are pretty brutal. I mean, they from, can be. yeah, you guys got a lot of wind coming in from the plains or whatever, and uh, it can the windshield alone. So, how was your guys' snowpack this year, and and what was the snow like? We had we had quite a bit of snow this year. Uh, I wouldn't say it was as cold as it's been in the past, but we definitely had a lot of snow. It, it's hard to say. Way up north and west, they had a lot more snow than I have. I live 25 minutes from Lake Michigan, so Lake Michigan kind of changes our weather patterns where I'm at. Uh, but the western and northern part of the state got a ton of snow. I mean, hell, they just had snow more snow a week or two ago up north. Mm, okay. Yeah, I was I've been bear hunting, man, and the snowpack, we got so much snow up here in the mountains in March that look, we had a pretty mild winter. I didn't have to shovel snow nearly as much as normal, but when I got to bear to do some bear hunting, I have not been able to get anywhere. So I've been hunting really small pockets just cuz the snowpack and I don't have a snow machine and and it wouldn't really matter anyways, but I'm up to 6 bears so far as far as I've seen. I uh, saw two yesterday, saw a shooter yesterday, first boar of the year, nice. and typic- in typical bear hunting fashion, saw him with about an hour left of daylight across a <laughs> canyon that I could not cross because the river is too deep. And if I'd gone after him, man, and just I watched him till dark, I would have never, I, he just never stopped moving. He was just 
bears when they're feeding and cruising it's, it's, they go at an amazing clip but i'm pumped six bears um i do have a bait out i haven't seen i've checked it a couple times it hasn't been hit yet but i like doing spot and stock primarily for bear and uh, yeah i i bear hunted in wisconsin last fall for the first time ever it took me eight years to draw the tag um and it was it was over bait so it wasn't all that exciting but i shot a gigantic bear for wisconsin i mean i was i was definitely excited to have the opportunity to come to idaho to do some spot stock so i'm about to do that next next spring bro you guys have giant bears in wisconsin oh yeah i shot a 440 pound boar in wisconsin last year yeah and so like where do these bears hibernate where what do they eat it's <laughs> jelly donuts <laughs> i guess <laughs> no i i, I mean you know, so Wisconsin, there's not a lot of spot and stalk. I mean, every other year you can chase bears with dogs and tree them and shoot them like a cat. Um, you know, where I was hunting, it's bait only. So I literally just sat sat there over a bait pile with jelly donuts and cookies and stuff and waited for, you know, bear to come in. I, I passed on a couple and and shot a, shot a toad. I mean, in Wisconsin, the average bear shot is 150 pounds only because guys – it takes a long time to get a bear tag in a lot of areas. So they'll shoot the first bear they see. But I was fortunate enough to get a really, a really nice bear for my first one. I've seen pictures of Wisconsin bears. He's going to go bears. up on the wall behind me here. In oh, a couple you'll have to send me a picture. 440-pound bear. I mean, how do you even move a bear like that, dude? Five guys. Five guys. Five grown men had to drag that bear out of the woods. And was that a fall bear? It was. Yep. Yeah, I shot him. It was like September 6th or 7th. Oh my gosh. How much fat was on that dude? Not as much as you think that man. I've got so much dang meat from that thing. I got way over 200 pounds of meat from that bear. Oh my gosh. It was huge. He was huge. Yeah. I mean, he, I, I'm six foot five and he made me look small. Dude. Did you, is there a way to get those bears aged? Yep. So, you know, we have to send in a couple teeth, uh, to get it aged. I haven't got that information back yet. Um, I'm still waiting to get, I'm doing like a half. I want to do a bear skin rug, but the dang bear was so big. It was going to cost me an arm and a leg to get that. So I'm doing like a half mount. He actually had a white V on his chest, which was kind of cool. So I'm waiting to get the mount back and the skull because he's going to be a record book bear when I get him measured. Yeah. Um, I want to know the skull size and I want to know the age. I love how bears can get old. I yeah, mean, he was, he was a big, he was a big bear. I, it, it, it's funny when I shot him, I text my buddy. It was right before dark. I said, hey, I shot shot a big one. He texts back and goes, they all say they're big. I said, no, this thing, this is a big bear. Um, and when he came out, you know, he walked up and goes, that is the biggest damn bear I've ever seen. We've shot 20-some bears off this property. That's the biggest bear I've ever seen. That's so, we, to, we definitely had to call reinforcements. It literally took five grown men to drag him out of the woods. Dude, I love it. Well, I'm excited for your elk hunt in Wyoming, man. I think it's going to happen. This is kind of what I want to end the podcast is what are what are you doing being a Midwest guy coming out West, having some elk hunting experience? What are some of the little nuanced things that you are working on right now and going forward leading up to your elk season that's going to help make a difference? Getting my fat butt in shape is the number one thing. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that is hands on number one thing. I mean, I live at like 800 feet above sea level, so I'll be hunting 10,000 feet out in Wyoming. So it's definitely getting in shape. I, I do a lot of the gyms are all closed. So I can't go to the gym right now. Um, so it, it's it's hiking. I live in kind of a hilly part of Wisconsin, so it's 
going out hiking for for a couple hours at a time with like 80 pounds on my back and, and just doing that sort of thing. Yeah, that's I think there's no substitute for backpack rucking. There's just no substitute and uh, just getting the miles logged in. Uh, yep. As far as weaponing and stuff like that goes, how do you get to shoot your bow at different angles and pitches and with a backpack on and kind of create perfect practice? And like, where do you do that? So, I mean, I shoot my backyard as often as I can. It's only, I can shoot out to about 30 yards, but I, I routinely go to a, a range where I can practice a lot at a hundred. You know, I mean, in Wisconsin and there's, I get laughed at, what the hell are you doing shooting at a hundred yards? Well, shoot at, if you're proficient at a hundred, it makes that 30 yard shot seem like a chip shot. And it is, it is trying to shoot for my knees, shoot with a backpack on, shoot with my binoculars on. There's a tower, you know, at the range I go to. So I'll climb a tower it's more to simulate a tree stand. But, you know, again, different angles. I, I spend a lot of time at the range. Yeah. And I like a hundred yard shot just because it does expose things, whether you have flaws in your mechanics or technique, uh, maybe your tune isn't quite up to snuff. It will definitely expose more than a 20 yard you know, everyone's a hero Correct. in their backyard at 20 and 30 yards. Correct. But uh, when you get out there, that's cool. I, I do have a, an archery range nearby as well that actually has 3D and different uphill, downhill shots. We go out there quite a bit. I, I do have out to 100 at my house. And uh, so that's that's one thing that we definitely try to shoot often. Well, good luck, man, on getting that Wyoming tag secured and keeping your brain sane in the next couple of weeks as it just kind of gets harder and hopefully we are past this uh this spike and that we are on the downhill slide and that people are somewhat getting ready to get back to a new normal if you will yeah i I think you hit it on the head we're not going back to normal we all have to realize that it is going to be a new normal i don't know what that new normal is but it's going to be new Mm. yeah we'll 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 pivot we always do Appreciate you coming on, Ed. Uh, where can people follow Basemap? Where can people follow you and learn more? Uh, so obviously www.basemap.com. Uh, you know you can learn about a lot of the functions and features, see the pricing, see some screen images. Um, you know we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, it's Basemap underscore Huntfish on. On Instagram, you know, we have a base map uh, YouTube page. Uh, we've got some videos, a lot of tutorials. Uh, you mentioned transferring waypoints. There's a, there's a tutorial for that on there. Um, and I'm on on Facebook and Instagram. My Instagram is egramza. You know, so yeah, we're we're out there trying to trying to spread the good word. I love it, man. Appreciate your time, guys. Remember, separation is the preparation, and we will catch you on the next one. Okay, guys, fun little podcast, getting to know Ed and getting to know Basemap. Uh, discount codes for Black Ovis, save 20%, use the discount code Elkshape, except for Sika Gear. If you want to buy Sika Gear, you have to call them and tell them you're an Elkshape podcast listener. It's one extra step, but it's worth the loot. Wilderness Athlete, Energy and Focus, Hydrate Recover, those are my favorite two supplements that they make. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE30. Save 30% off your first purchase. Uh, Climate has uh, 20% off their sleep systems. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE20. Baku, ELKSHAPE400. Save $400 off your e-bike purchase. I'm going to be using my e-bike for antelope 
in Montana and Idaho. I can't wait for that. Lakewood Products, they make the double bow case. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE2020. Save 10%. We have a discount code for Crossover Symmetry. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE. Save 20 bucks there. Bulletproof your shoulders. That's what I got for discount codes for ElkShape Camps 2021. I have penciled in Nashville, Seminole, Texas, Fort Worth, Texas, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Boise, Idaho, Reno, Nevada. If any of those are near you and you want to earn yourself a free spot, all you got to do is help me coordinate and field the logistics of the camp. So reach out to me, elkshape at gmail.com. I'm excited for this hunting season and to do camps next year with no virus interruptions. I hope you guys are well. I hope you're safe. I hope you're working hard towards your goals, utilizing elk hunting and leveraging it for delayed gratification. And remember, separation is in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one.